Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint, Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. to Fix It in the Mix, the podcast about the real music business. As always, I'm your host, Chris Thayer. Today, I'm sitting down with the illustrious Paul Hampton. Uh, we are here actually on location at Paul's Casa, and uh, I want to thank you for having me into your world here to, to talk about this crazy music business. Awesome. Yeah, you are more than welcome, buddy old pal. Yeah, we've known each other quite a long time, <laughs> yeah. and I'm definitely going to bring that up a bit because... Um, I definitely owe my getting into music to you guys wow, uh, in, okay. in large part. Uh, and we have crossed paths musically several times over the years. So, oh, yeah. uh, but before we get into all that, I definitely want to, um, start where I always try and start, um, how you got into doing music. How did you get into this? You know, it all started with the piano. Okay. Um, growing up around a piano and my mom playing piano. And the piano's in the house. Yeah. You know? That's a beautiful so, piano. You know? And growing up, the piano was like right there, you know? So it was like, you just had to tinker with it. Right. It just brought you in. And But the crazy thing is, is I actually started, well, that's that was the, that was the fundamental root of that was just right. that, the piano. But... On a on a regular pattern of playing, it actually started on guitar. Of course, you know, because <laughs> guitar is like that's where you get the ladies, the guitar solo. But you can take it that. around you. You can take it right. places. You, know? right. you can't take a piano anywhere. You know, so you. Well, I wanted to be a drummer at first until I realized Dude, you can't do that shit everywhere. I am a drummer. Yeah, I'm a yeah. drummer in a keyboard player's body. Yeah, like, I think we're, we're keyboard the players same mind. <laughs> I love playing drums. Yes. I can play drums. I got a drum kit in the garage. I do too. <laughs> Dude, I love <laughs> drums. on that thing all Man, the time. I will get off on some drums. That's funny. And yeah. I remember you playing the timbales. Oh, like yeah. you would Those sneak right it on there. stage with you and just bang on the timbales. Timbales, man. And, um, you know, I played trumpet in high school or mm -hmm. not high school, like ninth grade. You know, right. I was in a band, you know, I was like, all right. I didn't last too long. But, you know, every, everything pretty much starts with the piano. Like all right. of like all the just fundamental, just, you know, just theory and everything is there. Right. You know, the notes, the octaves, just well, it's so music. Linear. It's, it's linear. It's yeah. like laid out for you so you can see it. It's not like guitar where everything is patterns and weird shapes. And like a piano is like, it's all in order. Right. 
and for most musicians, you, you know, when you're playing any instrument, you there is a piano present. You know, right. even, even play guitar, you know, you really you pretty much know where the keys are on, mm-hmm. on a piano. You know, unlike the other way around, I still right. struggle for what the keys are on a guitar. Right, right. I'm not a tune one. I've got you know several. Right. But um, you know, even if you're if you're a, if you're a horn player, if you're anything, well, yeah. it's like you, you gotta, gotta know, know where middle C is. You gotta know where that stuff is. Yeah. You know, if you're a singer, you gotta yes. sing. You know that whole thing. So Absolutely. That's kind of kind of where my my uh, the beginning of my. So did you, your mom was the one that kind of taught you growing up, or was it just yeah. there? She just would play, and I would just be so enamored right. by her playing. I'm That's like, man, awesome. I want to do that, you know. That's and cool, man. Seven years old, when you really kind of remember, like, how, like what's the earliest you remember? You know, I think like six, right, <laughs> seven, right. you know, you know, so... But, um, yeah, that's pretty much what triggered all that. Well, off, you know? I mean, you definitely have... Um, had quite the musical career and i know that's not all you do mm-hmm. um but for for those that aren't aware of who you are um i knew you first in high school mm-hmm. when you were i mean as much as i i hate to admit it you were the face of the skeletons yeah um and you were the part. keyboard player but when i thought of the skeletons i thought of you because you had the dreads and you know you were this huge guy in the suit <laughs> and, and uh i mean there it was a huge band but you were the face of the Skeletons. And I have a feeling that you were probably the driving force behind a lot of what happened. Yeah. I mean, I, the funny thing is, is that the Skeletons was created um, between a bunch of us kids in high school. Right. Um, wanted to be in a band. We loved ska music, you know, we were a bunch of rude boy ska right. guys, you know, right, scooter riding. <laughs> and we wanted to be like madness. You right. Know? So, and um, we were just sitting around one day um, It. Denny's and my buddy Carlos Duncan, we were trying to think of a name, you right. know, so he wrote down, he mis- basically misspelled skeleton, you know. That's great. So it was like, oh, skeleton, you know. That's brilliant. And then it was like, oh, shit, there's an E at the end. Right, you know? <laughs> right. That's, I always felt like it was one of those things like the Beatles. Uh-huh. It was just like, maybe it was an accident, maybe it wasn't, but it was always brilliant to me. Like it right. captured that play on the terms yeah um and it and it absolutely fit the genre mm-hmm. um and that was like probably 87 88 yeah, 80 80 yeah 88 as a matter of fact yeah because i remember the the record uh was introducing the, the skeletons, skeletons. Yeah. yeah i have that yeah signed by <laughs> jeff elwood because i mean that's who i got it from um so yeah, yeah i'm like oh, hey yeah. man sign it i'll sell it someday <laughs> you know i mean we started in 86 that was the initial thing oh, okay. you know i was 16 and we started in 86 but we didn't play our first actual well actually i take it back we did play a show in 86 for for rob bradfield's dad because his dad <laughs> okay. was like somebody who could do something they were like of here comes dad check us out you know right and played it went to the church and i'm playing guitar you know I, well actually yeah i was i was playing guitar rob was we had two guitar players okay <laughs> and then they were like you need to play keyboards and not guitar right you know so right. i'm like okay which you know. is funny because um I mean, I, I've always known you as a keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've tried to bring you into my projects and you're just like, man, I'm so busy. I can't right. <laughs> I um, but, but yeah, interesting that you started out playing ska on the started guitar. Started playing, yeah, on the guitar. And then that was 86. And then, you know, 86, we're in high school, 87. We didn't play our real first party till like, like 80, 87, 88. You know, we were like okay. a year together and then we like kind of 
broke up a little bit right you know and then it was like yeah it happens you know they actually kicked me out of the band (laughs) you know so the irony yeah exactly so well they're like we don't want to play with you anymore so i'm like all right whatever and then i that's when i met um you know i was at arlington high school and that's where i met ernie vigoro and rick bonin that was like 87 you know and then we all that that was the beginning because right. we met Jeff Elwood, Paul Kinsella, you know, and then right. it was like that. That was like the beginning. That's when we started really playing, you know. Right. We were actually playing shows, right? Um, and then we came across Jonas. He was a really young. He was like thirteen oh, yeah. years old, you know. I, was, I remember <laughs> was him kid. being like a baby. Yeah, he was you know? super young. And here's the funny thing is, I used to go with Jeff because Jeff and I went to school together, uh-huh. and um, I used to go with Jeff to your shows, and he and Jonas would have to leave after your set yeah. and go outside because they couldn't be in the club. They clubs. couldn't be in the club. No, nope. they were too young to play. Too young. It's <laughs> freaking funny. Man, man, Jeff Elwood, he was awesome. He lived because he lived down by like um, La, Sierra. La Sierra. Yeah. yeah. Here's a crazy story. One time we were doing a show at the Chuck Landis Country Club, what? which was in L.A. It's not there anymore, but it was okay. It was the Country Club. Yeah, man, and. Um, it was my buddy Bernie was driving. He was like our manager at the time. So right. he's driving this Toyota Civic and uh, his girlfriend's in the front seat. And it was Mark, Rick Bonin. Okay. And myself. Rick Bonin was in the middle. Mark Cummings was on the, you know, behind the, right. the driver's side. And I'm behind the passenger side. We were obviously underage drinking. Right. We're all like, you know, 19, right. 18, you know, just freaking drunk, drunk mm-hmm. as shit. And, uh, you know, just drunk driving. Everyone's right. drunk, you know? Right, right. <laughs> we're driving, and I look over. a very over. different time. Oh, yeah. It was back at the time <laughs> when you could get the DUI. They just tell you to pull over to the side and sleep it off. You sleep it off. Exactly. Nowadays, it's like you're sleeping it off in jail. <laughs> yes. And you're going to spend 10 grand. This is way whatever. before Mothers Against Drunk Driving. <laughs> oh, yeah. Way before that. <laughs> so we're driving home, and um, I look at Mark, and I understand. And the look, the expression on Mark's face is confusion. Next thing I know, he can't hold it in anymore. Between his fingers, oh, comes no. everything he ate earlier that day. So I'm busting up, laughing my ass off. Bernie's like driving, like, what the hell is going on? Hey, dog it off. We're still driving right. down 91. And then, you know, I remember waking up. I eventually I had went to sleep in this whole story, you know. And I end up waking up. I'm cold, you know, and I feel this wetness all over my hands. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. And there's all these trees and everything all over me and branches. And I I look over at Rick and he's got like just blood all over his face. What? And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And then I see Bernie and his girlfriend running around outside. And then we're not on the we're not driving anymore. We're in the dirt. Apparently, Bernie had fallen asleep at the wheel. Oh shit! Flipped the car. We like freaking hit a tree. Ended up just totally just crashing. You know. Wow. We wake up and here's where Jeff Elwood comes in. It's like, we all get out of the car. We're all in, you know, kind of confused, you know, coming mm-hmm. out. You know, we're sobered up pretty quick. Right, you know? right. Like, what the hell's going on? And we get crashed real close to where Jeff Elwood's house was. And Bernie's like, you got to go, you know, get out of here before the cops get out of here. Get out of right. here, guys. Get out of here. So we all were like, let's go to Jeff's house. Right. And this right. is like maybe Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> And we go knocking on his door, boom, 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 boom. Hey, let us in. He opens the door, and we straight up look like the Walking Dead. Right, you know, right. just dirt, blood. And he had just kind of joined the band. Right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the crew. So he's like, "What did I get myself into? Right. You know, right. what is wrong?" With you? 
<laughs> well, and, and you know, you know, his, his parents, his mom, uh-huh. she would be totally like, yeah, come on in guys. Oh yeah. We had to go in, clean oh, up yeah. and stuff, you know, we're all like, just like, you know, Jeff's oh, mom cool. was definitely the cool mom. Oh yeah. Um, there, there were, I got a nickname hanging out with Jeff. Um, around that time I was the sake kid uh-huh. because, uh, Jeff's, uh, stepdad would always bring out the sake, right. you know, and it was, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm maybe like 18, 19 years old. I'm pounding the sake. Uh-huh. So yeah, I definitely, I, I, I think if you had gone to somebody else's house, it might've been a huge deal, but I can it see been like, like, get out of here. You know? Yeah. Jeff's <laughs> family, are they freaking here? out? But she's like, Oh, these kids, you know, oh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody was cool. We escaped that whole peril, but man, just think of the things that we did growing up that all those bu- bullets we dodged oh, and all the absolutely. crazy things that you just can't do today, you know? And that well, was one of those things where we just walked away unscathed, I, you know? I can't even begin to imagine the number of stories that you have. Oh, man. Of the time you... Because I know just from the times I went with you, um, there was one time we... Uh, and I have video of, of us driving to the show. Um, you have video? I have video. Who has video Dude, back I've got then? a videotape with, with part of the show... <laughs> My sister recorded over the. You must part have this big ass camera. Or something. Oh, it was, was huge! It, it was yeah, huge. Yeah. I took video of the show. And what year is this about? Oh, it's got to be 89, 90. Anybody walking, anybody who has video from the eighties or nineties, oh, that's a big deal. And they like now oh, yeah. everyone's got video. I right. mean, if you got Jesus Christ. So we we uh, we stop at um, Wiener Schnitzel, get mm-hmm. some food, get in the car, and if you ever drove with Jeff, you know that he um, had. A, not a lead foot, but he was one of those guys that, you know, oh, yeah. very jerky driver. So <laughs> right. I'm in the passenger seat and I'm like filming as we drive and we're be acting like jackasses. And then at some point the video stops because I'm throwing up outside the window <laughs> Right. and we get to the show at the John Anson Ford yep. and we're outside. I don't know if you remember this and they're like, yeah, you guys aren't on the show. We drove all the way out to the John oh, Anson Ford. I do remember that. And yep. and basically didn't even play and then turned around and came back home. I do remember that. Like, I remember that. But totally. that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that definitely happens when you're a kid band. Yeah. You know? Like someone told you, yeah, you guys can play. And then they never actually lock it down. Or you get double booked. Or I, I don't um, even think the show was even going on. I think it was maybe. just like yeah, it was know. like the got canceled or they didn't tell right, us. Or we right. drove all the way out there. We're just like, what? And that oh, was a man. long ass drive. Like that's John Anson way Ford out Theater. there. That's like Universal City, I think. Yep. Um, but we did play actual shows there. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And that's, that one wasn't going down. Well, that's the thing is you you guys have played, I'm guessing, all over the world. <laughs> well, Skeletons have went as far as um, like uh, Holland. Holland okay. and, you know, that kind of, you know, Prague and right. um, Holland and just kind of like that part of Europe. Um being in Fishbone, that was took me all over the entire world. Well, and that's you where know. I was headed next. So, um, those of, the people that don't know you for um, playing with the Skeletones, it was very clear that the Skeletones were much um, influenced by Fishbone. Oh, completely! Everybody wanted to be those guys. Right, right. <laughs> we're like, they're too damn good. Oh, they were freaking phenomenal. <laughs> um, and it, and always kind of. Um, I always saw the parallel between the two groups, mm-hmm. not just stylistically, but I feel like both groups never quite got the respect that they should have gotten or the success or whatever you want to call it. Right, right. Um, and I, I feel like there really was not a better band out there than Fishbone. Never. And I, yeah. I don't know how they didn't just blow up. I mean, they had a, a good run in the middle of like early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I don't, I don't know how they didn't blow up. And for the same thing, I don't know how you guys didn't blow up. You know, yeah. There was a time between you and, and No Doubt, and you guys were much better than they were. There was a time, yeah, you know. And, and all of a sudden, they, they like blew up. Um, yeah. Now, admittedly, Gwen, I, I always felt, was probably one of the best um, leads, like I want to say front person, mm-hmm. not singer, but front person, because she always really knew how to work a room. Right. Um, in a club setting. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about it in a big setting, but definitely in a club setting, she was really good at that. But Jonas was just as good. Yeah. You know? He was, dude, He, the whole band was great. Yeah. You know? It's just one of those things where... And it's probably similar for a lot of bands that are like awesome. And you're like, how did this not happen? Right. You know? Right. And it really comes to play. I think from, from my anecdotal data and just from right. what I've witnessed, <laughs> right. it's just basically your camp, you know, yeah. the people you have in your camp, the band can be awesome. Right. You know, the most awesome band ever. Right. But if you have people in your camp that are making certain decisions, a lot of it really stems on the decision right. you're you're relying on management you right, know right management you know uh, booking agents yeah. hire one you know you're you're you know record labels you know yeah. all these things that come into place you're relying on these institutions to take that art to the next right. level and the decisions that are made along the way can determine the fate of that band. Right. You know? Right. And Do you feel like it's kind of arbitrary? Like who made it and who didn't? Well, like to that next level of like stadium rock or whatever stadium shows. Well, the whole thing about that is, um, again, it goes to, it goes to like, um, like you figure there's a hill, there's a huge, I think Delta between whether you're a list, B list, C list, right. You know, cause if you're playing stadium rock, do that whole thing. Um, you're either manufactured, right, or you're lucky. Or you're lucky. <laughs> or that person in your camp really right. had all the right. right people, made all the right phone calls, the stars did aligned, all the right things. Yeah. Because I mean, you take no doubt five years later, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen. No. Oh no, no, exactly. That's the thing. Well, because, you, <laughs> well, it was timing. Yes, yeah. You know, everything was just lined up. It's just there was Skeleton, Sublime. Yeah, no Sublime doubt. was another one. You know, and all of us were on that same plane right. playing music doing the same thing having pretty much the same crowds right. you know, no right. doubt crowds we're going to Skeletons crowd Skeletons crowds going to no and doubt crowds and you played crowds. together all the time oh yeah so it wasn't like this was our th- scene and this right. was their scene like we had the same thing yes it's just that the decisions that I feel that our management made I mean because for instance we had an opportunity to sign with so many record labels you right. know we could have did a deal with Mojo Records which right. Mojo Records is uh, Goldfinger and Real Big Fish right. at that time right. we would have been the real big it would have been Goldfinger and the Skeletons right. and Goldfish 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 or Real Big Fish may not have even been signed on that label at right. that time because you know it was just how how it all worked out right. but we passed well our management passed on that deal yeah. and uh, was like nah we need, we need to go here you know so and it was just I mean it's in, in life in general man the people who you bring into your camp you gotta all be on the yeah. same page have the same vision mm-hmm. we had a couple of rock you know rock managers managing a, a you know a ska band that was you know was doing our thing at that time and 
you know, we had like our main manager was heavy on rock. Right. <laughs> the, we had two managers. The other manager, Dan DeVita, was he worked at Priority Records, so right. they were big on rap and hip hop and stuff. You yes. know, so they saw something in us, but they just didn't really get it too much to the point to where they aligned us with the right thing. And like, no doubt, you know, their management was, you know, like Orange County. I, I don't know who their management was at the time, but I knew, I do know that I think pretty sure Paul Toulet had a big deal with, with no doubt and Kevin Lyman and some of the people right. who were, who, you know, are still players today that right. I totally love and respect that are still doing it, that are awesome. They pretty much had more of a hand in no doubt than right. skeletons, you know, well, and there's a huge difference between their first release on Interscope and Tragic Kingdom. Much different. Oh, yeah. The first it's, one is hor- like not horrible. but It's not I mean, horrible, it's but just, it is more like what like they our sounded doctor, like. It's like our Dr. Bones. Right, right. Our Dr. Bones record is the worst album ever recorded no, to man. man. <laughs> I, I think there's some, some interesting choices that were made, but but I think <laughs> it's, um, it's there's funny. some real good nuggets on there, too, though, There's man. a couple. There's a few. You know, there's some that were actually, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, that was one of those albums where you're like, damn it, I wish I wouldn't have did that. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you live and you learn. That's part of it. I, <laughs> you know? I've been going back in the last couple of days through stuff from 30 years ago because I, I I've been doing these live live streams mm-hmm. on uh, on Facebook, and I have people asking me online to play certain songs, and I'm like, oh geez, not that. Right. So I got to go figure out how to play these songs, and I'm rediscovering all these old tracks that I did, and they're terrible. <laughs> but there's something in there that's like this could have been really cool if right. it had the right production or the right Dude, performance or something. I kid you not, man. I was going through the archives. And I then I recorded them onto my uh, personas uh, in my in my um, you know my program right. of some of old skeleton stuff that's on cassette. You know, oh. you ever go through the old cassette? Oh yeah. Oh man, dude, there is some. I can't believe we were hard on ourselves. Yeah. Back then. Oh yeah. Super hard on ourselves. I play that shit now. I'm like, damn, that's badass. <laughs> there is some bad. I'm gonna Wait. I'm gonna release some. I was gonna shit. say you oh, gotta yeah, release dude. that it stuff. It is amazing. Like, you know, send I'm it thinking, off, have it mastered. I'm like, why didn't we release this? You right. know, and right. it probably we were like, ah, oh, freaking. You messed up there, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> you didn't. You were like out of pocket on that part, right? Know? And in hindsight, you you don't. You're stuck in that moment of what's kind of cool at that time. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit that time, you're like, ah, let's get rid. Of it. I've thrown out some tracks that are like better than anything else on the record. You hear it now, you're like, wow, what? A, what was I thinking? Why did I put that on there? Right, you know? right. There's a lot of that going on. Some of it might need a little bit of editing here and there, and kind of cleaning up, but. You know, dude, I'm a, yeah, there's a, like, an, cause we did, we used to do a lot of, you know, we had a lot of, um, producers record us, right. you know? So we did a lot of stuff at, um, like for like Rondor, um, we did stuff for Maverick records. We did all these sessions, you know, right. we did all, we were constantly recording. They just never sessions. went anywhere. Yeah, we did stuff. Yeah, we just never what? did any of it. We would use like one or two songs out of like a five song session. Really? You know, we recorded in Chicago one time when we were on the road in this badass studio. We did this stuff at some high school that they had all this recording gear. That's cool. You know, we did stuff at A or A and M Records. You know, uh, for some publishing stuff. Right. You know, I mean, we recorded in a shitload of studios, and each time we would probably maybe come out with one or two songs we'd, right. we'd record like five or six you know some of them would really really suck you know we'd be well like, i mean that's gay you know but that, some of them were like really good right so every time we went in so i so i was listening to the listening to the cassette tapes and out of these sessions i'm thinking dude 
I, did, I, I forgot about that song, right. you know, one of those things where, oh shit, because at one point we used to have a place at the Life Arts building in downtown Riverside right. where we would just, that would be like our, our nutsack, our studio, right. you know, and uh, being a keyboard player, I pretty much produced everything, was always freaking right. the alchemist. Right. And yeah. I, I definitely, I always respected that about you is that you seem like you had a vision and you went for it on each record and mm -hmm. it wasn't always gold. Right. I mean, there's Dr. Bones and there's some yeah. moments in there. You're like, yeah. wait, what? I know. Um, How did I do that? <laughs> but, but I think by and large you took chances mm -hmm. and I always respected that. Um, we got off track. So tell me about the fishbone thing, dude. So, so how did that even happen? Cause I know that's a dream come true for you, man. It's everybody's dream come true, right? <laughs> Cause what other badass band could you ever be a part of? You know, right. I mean like that's a band. I mean, I guess if, you know, I mean, if Lars Ulrich called you and said, Hey, would you mind, you yeah. know, playing with us in Metallica? Right. You know, right. <laughs> you'd be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you saw the documentary, right? <laughs> no, well, they, uh, they did a documentary. It was, the, it's so lame because they all cry all the time and they're all like arguing with each other. But there's a cool moment where they audition the bass player, uh, so, uh, that's Robert, uh, uh Trujillo. Trujillo. Yeah. And he gets the gig and they're like, Hey, we're, is it okay if we can give you a million dollar advance? Mm -hmm. And then you see him in the next scene. He's in this like shitty apartment. There's the beds on the ground and he's standing on the bed playing his bass. And I mean, it's like this dude just struck gold, I know, I know. you know? And he went from being just a dude playing in, you know, shit bars. Well, he played with, he played in suicidal tendencies and with Aussie. Rossi George. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Now, so, but you know what I'm saying? Like he was not living lavishly. Right. Like, Right, both like you would our, think he would. Right, you know? our houses right now, both of them are way better than anything this guy <laughs> if, was living in. If, yeah, right. <laughs> so, I know, I know. I guess the thing, you know, geez. But I kind of saw you going into Fishbone as, as not financially the same, but as the same kind of thing. It's like, wow, here's this band that you obviously loved, mm -hmm. and you got a chance to play with them. That is the craziest thing ever. Yeah. What I was mean, that like? Like again, how did that happen? Well, so. I've known Norwood. Well, we've known Fishbone. We like we all right. gripped, you know, we would we just became I, I would always just try to be their buddies, you know, right. trying to get in there. Hey guys, you know, yeah. it's me. You know, I would go to all the shows, right. you know, and then I kind of befriended Wood, you know, cuz they would take us on tour with them. Right. When they would when Fishbone would go on tour, we would go or when Trulio would go on tour, you know, Norwood would call me up, "Hey, you know, let's do this tour." Right. You know, we would travel across the country. Is that so, intimidating? Opening well, for Fishbone? You know, it was, it wasn't really intimidating. It was actually really freaking cool because we yeah. knew every show was going to be an awesome show. Right. <laughs> there was always going to be people there, you know, because right. it's fish right. you know, so it's not like us going on tour headlining where we didn't know if someone was going to be there or not. You yes. Know? So, so it was not intimidating. See, I'm, I'm coming awesome. from the, the school of thought that I love opening for bigger bands. Mm-hmm because I like setting the tone for the night right. and I want them to have, when we get off, they go, holy shit, we better bring it tonight. Cause those motherfuckers are going to kick our ass. Right. Well, we yeah. never had one of those. Nights. No, I mean, that, that, would, that would be hard with fishbone <laughs> to impossible. me. That's like Metallica opening for Aussie It's like, you know, that's a no brainer, but uh -huh. you know, 
maybe yeah. me opening for Metallica, it's just not going to work. Not going to work. You're not going to. No. <laughs> You're not going to upstage Metallica. No. You know, no. not going to happen. We're not going to upstage Fishbone. If anything, they're going to. The crowd is going to be. We're going to impress the crowd. Right. We're going to be like, wow, you guys are awesome. You know. Right. And like you said, set the tone. Because but the band know, was great. Oh, like you definitely could hold your own with with we any were, of the bands you know, out yeah, there. Yeah, it was always a great show. You know, and they made yeah. us better because they're badass musicians, and we always would try to impress them. You know, so we, right. we didn't want to be all messing around. Exactly. So I befriended uh, Norwood, and um, you know, just through the years. Like, I think I was the first person to teach Norwood how to snowboard. As a matter of fact, I know I was. That's he, funny. That is. You know, here's that story real quick. We were at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and uh, <laughs> I'm big on snowboarding. And we went on a yeah. snowcore tour with uh, Fishbone. And um, I had my, our manager at the time, you know, uh, we had a bunch of snowboards shipped to us from GNU. They, like, sponsored me. So I got all these new snowboard, snowboard gear. We're in Jackson Hole. I'm like, hey, guys, we're going snowboarding tomorrow. Right. So... Norwood and Angelo had never gone snowboarding and they're like, well, let's do it. You know, we're like, we're going to go. Well, we're going to go. Yeah. From LA, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're from There's LA. mountains over there. It's like they never, well, every mountain you know. here. We are in Southern California. Right. You're only an hour and a half away from, from everything any mountain, you know? Yeah. So it was my manager, Norwood and, 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 uh, Angelo, none of them ever been snowboarding right. before. And we're in Jackson hole, Wyoming, which is a pretty badass mountain where right. you got to be, pretty much badass to be on right right <laughs> when they got their bunny shit but yeah. this is jackson hole wyoming so we're like you know let's do this and um funny man we get up in the morning to go snowboarding and angelo's got this big ass poncho on of course he and does docks <laughs> we're like you're gonna go in that he's like yeah you know let's go oh jesus and i'm like oh all right well <laughs> good luck with that but we all end up getting in the gondola and you know, my school of thought was, you know, uh, rain. My school of thought was like, how I learned was my guitar player, Alex, you know, him and I were the snowboarders of the band. He took me to the top of Mammoth and was like, just find your way down. That's how you're going to learn, right. you know, and that's how I learned. That's like throwing your kid in the pool. Swim, you yeah. know. <laughs> so that's exactly what we did. We got, and the funny thing is, I remember this vision like it was yesterday, man. We get in the gondola. We go all the way to the top. I mean, the top of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm like pumped. And I can just see the nervousness in their right. eyes. Because, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's some scary shit. Yeah, this is you no know? joke. <laughs> you know? We get to the top. And we open the door. You know, we get out. Take in mind, you're in like a hut when the right. gondola gets in there. But the minute we walked outside onto the peak, man, there had to have been like 45 mile per hour winds. Just, oh, shit. you know, and like snow's blowing and they're walking and they're trying to hold their stuff. And they look like, you know, just complete, just, just completely confused. And we're like, come on, put your boots on, put your boots on. Let's go. You know, come on, let's go. <laughs> None of them been snowboarding before. So we get them all strapped in. Everybody's ready to go. And then we're like, come on, follow us. Now, here we are. I mean, we're snowboarders. So we're right. like, come on, what's wrong with you? Let's go. You know, we think everybody right. can ride. Right. And they're maybe going like two feet fall, two feet fall. And they're just, right. you know, they just look like, you know, they just didn't have no idea what was going on. You know, right. absolutely no idea what was going on. The wind's blowing. And um, so we're like, you know what, guys? Just make your way down the hill. And we just right. took off. <laughs> Left them at the top of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Oh, shit. That, Jack, that mountain. How long did it take them to get down? You know, we saw them later on that day. <laughs> they were fine. No they one got hurt. Out. You know, they figured it out. And ever since then, Norwood and I snowboarded a whole bunch of times, you know. And That's great, And learned that stuff. But how I got in the band was, 
I remember I was at uh, my son's hockey practice. He played ice hockey and he was, you know, this was in like 2013, you know. And um, I just get a random call, you know, it's Norwood calling me and he's calling me and I'm thinking he wants to go snowboarding or something or, hey man, you got some lift tickets or you want to come play with Trulio or I don't know, just hitting me up for something. Right. And he's like, hey, um, so there's this, uh, if you're up to it, you know, there's this uh, keyboard spot open in Fishbone, you know. If you're down, <laughs> just all nonchalant. Down, yeah, totally just non, it's like, hey, all uh, nonchalant. I, I got an extra ticket to this concert. Yeah. You want? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely. You know. So he's like, yeah, you know, it's it's there's an open spot in Fishbone if you're uh, if you're up for it. That's crazy. So I'm like, I mean, I didn't say yeah on the spot because I was taken aback. You know, and like, huh? Is he fucking with me? Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, is he saying, all right, and then I, but, you know, and here I am, you know, I got a full on career, like right. that, you know, and then I got kids, but they're, twi- but they're teenagers now. So right. I'm like, you know, they don't give a shit about me anyway. Right. They don't want you know? anything to do with you during the day. <laughs> no, anyway. exactly. So I'm thinking, they need you when they need money. A hundred percent or something. So I'm like, so I, so the question that I asked him was, <laughs> I'm all, so when you guys tour, are you guys in buses or in vans? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you guys touring around in vans? He's all, no, nah, man, we don't, we don't live like that. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. A lot of bands, you think they're doing really, really well. They're sleeping on couches still. And that's you know? the thing. I'm too old. And even then, I was too. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to go touring no. in a ba- in a van like no. I did skeleton style. So I'm like, no. you know. So I just wanted to make sure, you know. And lo, lo and behold, you know. I mean. It was, you know, all awesome, you know, and um, I t- called him the next day and said, I'm in, let's do it. You know, talked to my wife about it. She's like, well, you know, that's what you want to do. When are you going to get commitment, this opportunity, dude. you know? But it's a commitment. There's no like, I want to play a few shows and then I don't want to play anymore. How, you know? uh, how often do they play? Well, when I got in the band, it was, um, I mean, I would say there were probably, we were playing at least 100 shows a year. Wow. You know? So a third of the time, I mean, we would play just about every weekend, you know, wow. and then we would go on tour. So, yeah, I would say at least between 75 to 100 shows a year, flying all over the world. When I first got in the band, it was like, okay, the first show I did was in Colorado, and then the next show was Japan. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, dude. It was like, okay, Colorado, and then we played Colorado, and they're like, all right, way to go. All right, so now I'm going to Japan, you know. Wow. So I'm like, shit, all right, you know. How'd the family handle that? Well, near halfway through, it did cause a little bit of stress on my marriage, you know, because I'm gone a lot. I got, right. I drank a lot. Well, got, you know, that happens. You drink a lot. You, you know? are touring with Fishbone. And everything's free, you know. Yeah. And you're freaking in a tour bus. You ain't driving, you know. So you're, right. you're just drunk all the time, <laughs> you know. So I had to curtail that back and then just like, because the thing, here's how I look at it is Fishbone had been doing it for a long time. A they long were, time. They were freaking on top of the world from like, you know, 92 to like 99, you yeah. know, 98, yeah. 99. Top of the world, you know, yeah. playing freaking Lollapalooza, right. just playing sold out freaking theaters, you know, yeah. people just losing their minds, you know. Yeah. It was just a fishbone mecca. So they've always been like treated like royalty, you right. know, bus tours, everything, just total rock star, you know, right, right, right. rock star. Skeletons, not so much, well, you, know. you know, we were in vans, <laughs> we never yeah. hit the bus yeah. circuit. We were always in vans, you know. 
So me, I never got that out of my system. Right. So, <laughs> so when I joined Fishbone in my advanced age of 40s, I was just like, you know, oh shit, you know, I just, right. I just freaking, you know, let loose. Because I, you know, I hadn't acclimated to that right, yet, right. so I had just, you know, was freaking, dude. There was times where I'd be on stage. I remember one time I was on stage in, in, uh, what was this at? This was up in Northern California, some outdoor festival. I'd hung out with my buddy Gabor. We're cruising around. We were bar hopping before we were supposed to play. You know, it was like some beer festival or something. Gotcha. I'm bar hopping. Man, I get drunk as sh- I'm drunk as shit. I get up on stage before we go on stage. You know, before we go on stage. And um, I'm standing there, and I just freaking do a face plant <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> oh, we hadn't started playing yet, you know. Oh. We were just getting up, set, you know, getting yeah. ready to go. And I just freaking boom. Oh, geez. And my t- tour manager saw that. He's like, oh, shit, you know. He runs over to me, gives me two freaking Adderall. He's all here, take these. <laughs> wow. Take them both. And, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm like, got through the show. Hey. You know. And then that happened twice. The other time was when we were at, uh, we, we um, early on, when I was still going through this right. freaking reverie of being in Fishbone. Right. You know? <laughs> well, it'd be really easy to get sucked into it, oh, man. I was sucked into it because I hadn't got it out of my system yet. You know, I hadn't really experienced it right. at that level, yeah. you know, which 98% of the bands will never experience what it's like. If not more. To be, yeah. well, to be at that level, that recognized, that recognition, and to be in a band at that, it takes, right. you know, to get to that level, you just don't, unless you're manufactured or unless you're lucky, you know, unless you right. make that right path and boom, you're a rock star. You got to pay some serious dues to get to that point. Got to pay dues, you know. And um, so, yeah, so early on, it was like we were in, we were doing a show at, um, it was in uh, Las Vegas. Right? Okay. And we were opening up for the for Jane's Addiction. Oh, nice. You know? And it was three nights at, um, the Bro- or Brooklyn Bowl, okay, you know, which is you know premier right venue in Las Vegas. So we're there, and uh, first night was like, and again, this was early on. <laughs> this is when I was still like, yeah, fish alcohol party, you know. And um, the very first night, I drank too much, you know, before we went on stage, and I'm walking out to get to my keyboards. Fortunately, they have a curtain there right. <laughs> that goes up. You know, I'm walking out to my keyboard and same thing, I just freaking boom, just oh. go down, you know? And I'm like, oh Jesus, I drink, you know, I'm like, fuck, you know, I end up getting up, end up playing the show, right? you know, get through it. It got to a, it got to a point to where Nora was like, you gotta stop doing that. Okay, so <laughs> are know? those guys like that too? No, 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 no. They've already got it out of their system. That's, that's they already went through I that whole thing. Found a little no. odd. I mean, I'm I, I can imagine that they might still throw down, but no, Mm-mm. Norwood doesn't do any. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. He's super duper healthy, vegan. Like he's freaking like I'm done with that shit. You well, know? yeah. Um, they you know smoke. They like uh, Walt. He's big on you know smoking. They just smoke weed for the most part. He smokes weed. Um, you know, Angelo, no one is like freaking like we were, you know, like when we were young right. being a rock star, you know, right. they've already done that. Cause think about cool. it, man. Again, Fishbone has been there, done that, flew all over the world. 30 plus years. times for 30 years. Yeah. Just like any band, you figure 311, you know, right. or freaking Renato Chilea Peppers, you know, all these bands, that's their life is that life. Right. And that kind of life I can see how after a while it can really 
wear on you, you it, know. It seems like it would get old if that's what you, your routine became, like drunk every day. It does. Yeah, it kind of gets to a point to where you're like, all right, you know, and then it's like. Maybe I'll go see what's happening in this city I've never been to, you know. Well, that's another thing, though, too, is you're never really in any city for too right, long. Right, right. You, know, you get there. And me, I'm trying to work. So I'm working the whole time. I miss, I missed a lot of shit because I was working. You know, I'm still yeah. doing my you Well, know, you still got bills stuff. to pay. And I'm, yeah. So I'm not out. Most of the time, you know, I was able to, you know, still work. And, you know, when we were in South America, you know, those guys went hiking, climbed some, some big ass mountain, you know, right. and I stayed in the hotel freaking working, you know. Well, so I missed a lot of stuff because I was trying to get some bills paid and work and do my do my thing. But I think that's the balance of of uh, the reality of having a career and playing music. Um, and even if you get to a point where you're touring with another band, you still got bills to pay. Yeah, because that know? band is not paying. no what it takes to you know being in a band is like you're it's fine if you're single right, right, right. <laughs> you know but the minute you have a spouse or kids i mean it just unless your spouse shit. is a sugar mama you know right <laughs> then and, you and do that. i definitely am in that category at this point <laughs> we didn't start that way but we're there now Dude, so that's how it is man <laughs> if you're in a band yeah you it, at any level you know i mean right. unless you even even if you are a band like you know, let's say My Chemical Romance or right. something, you know, if they didn't manage their money right, dude, those oh, dudes yeah. are freaking going to be, they're done. They're right? right back where they were. Yeah. Like who's, who's in, who's into them right now? I mean, I'm sure they can still play House of Blues and stuff and still do right. some stuff, you know, right. but you know, you ain't yeah. making a hundred thousand dollars a year, really, no. as no. you know, maybe you're, I mean, you're, you're making a good living, but right. you're going to have, it's a, I mean, to maintain that and to continue to do that is right. at that. I mean, you have to make it to that level because if you haven't made it to that level, you know, you'll peak, which, Hey, now you're making, you know, a quarter million dollars a year, you know, right. at your peak, each band member, you know, right. like, like you figure slightly stupid, they're all freaking killing it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but there's certain bands that they peak and then if they didn't stick with it, you know, or if they didn't have a good, at least persona, you know, it's gonna, it, that shit goes away. Right. Now, you may be able to still make a career out of music by teaching or, right. you know, doing other projects, you know, making a name for yourself, playing on studio sessions, right. doing the whole thing. But even that, man, that's like not, that's you, ain't get, you ain't getting a W-2, you know. Right. <laughs> you get 1099, hopefully from here and there, and hopefully you got steady work, you know. Well, I think that's what most people don't realize, that just because somebody is a musician for a living mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're doing well financially. No, because even like Fishbone, like Angelo would say, we are the rich, but or no, the famous, but not rich. Right. You know, because they are famous, dude. Absolutely. I played shows in South America where the whole crowd would be like, total soccer chant, you know, lay, oh, lay, oh, lay, oh, lay, fish bone, <laughs> fish bone, dude. Totally. Like, the, it's weird. The whole freaking, ah, and you're like, oh right. my God, you know. But yet, you know, you're only making couple hundred bucks a show like me, right. you know, it ain't like you're, I'm not making, you know, you can't, I couldn't live on that. No. So, no. but the experience now, now you saw some that's stuff. Priceless. That's the cool thing is you really the, got to go a lot of cool places. Well, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, that was true. But I think the main deal, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the, the experience. I call it fishbone college because right. when I went to fishbone college, I, 
became a much better vocalist, a much better piano player, keyboard player, you know, because they put you at, they raised the bar. Right. Playing with Norwin, those guys, if you, you got to be at a certain level or else you're going to, you, they're going to fire you or you're going to be, you're going to look like a fool. You yes. know, <laughs> they, yes. they have no problem, you know, clowning you and, and, and whipping you into shape. Right. You know, so I up my bar and plus the people who you're playing around, like that, you know, that's a whole nother level of yes. musician people that you're hanging around. Right. You know, if you're this, if you're this punk rock musician, you ain't hanging around with these people because you're not at that level. You're hanging around a bunch of punk rocks, right. a bunch of people who are just, you know, doing this. Yeah. They know their three chords and, and you know, yeah, you're not they drink hanging out and... with these guys. These people up here at that level are, they all, they're like the NAM show people, Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there's the people you see at the NAM show. They all can play better than right. you. They're right. all very good. All of the people who I've hung out with, you know, I'm playing with Ernie Isley, playing with freaking Charles Wright, you know, playing with... Do you feel with, like you were, like, the weak link? I think, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I mean, that almost you know, right now. Yeah. And, and, and I try to assemble crews of players that are better than I am mm -hmm. because that elevates the, the project, but it also elevates me. It makes oh, me play better. So I've been kicked out of sessions before because, you know, I wasn't doing shit right, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I mean, I know I wasn't bad or else right. nobody would, or else they would have just said, get out of here. You're right, no good. Right, right. You know, but you know, I, you know, playing, like I played the Apollo theater and, you know, played Afropunk in Brooklyn co-headlining with, you know, it was Living Color, Fishbone, and Bad Brains. You know? Oh, all three of those. Who are does that? Great. You know, and being in that, being in that moment and in time, being in that photograph, being a part of that, no money can buy that. No. So I would have done it for free. You know. Yeah. So it wasn't. It's totally not about the money, and a lot of people do. You know, you hear a lot of a lot of uh, you know songs where. It's all about money, you know. People singing about money. I got the. I call it the I gots. You know, yes. I got, I got, I got, I got. Yeah. You know, ain't nobody got what I had at that time because it's the experience. Well, yeah. Anybody can get money. Anybody can get jewelry. Anybody can get right. a car. Anybody you don't have to be a musician things. to do that. No, you just got to have money. Yeah. You could just get money, however. Yeah. But not anybody can be in Fishbone no. or in Bad Brains or be on stage, but, you know, or be a part of something like that. You right. know, just like when we did the Apollo Theater. Not everybody gets to play the Apollo Theater. No. That just doesn't happen, you know. Yeah, I ain't going to get to play the Apollo. Or, or Yeah, or <laughs> Red Rocks, you know. Right. All these, all these venues and festivals and that that I was a part of is priceless. And that was how I measured my success as right. a musician was being a part of that. So not so much money. Right. So stupid question. Do you feel like you've, whatever this means, made it? 100%. See, that's a cool a answer. Thousand percent. Dude. And because there's no, there's nothing higher. I mean, I guess if no doubt call and said, Hey Paul, we need a keyboard player. It'd be like, okay, it'd be the, it'd be the exact same thing. Right. Just more money. Well, you know, and at little, this point, more, I'd rather play with Fishbone. Well, I mean, because the music's cooler. Yeah, but the difference <laughs> would be, you know, it would be maybe a little bit more comfortable, you know, right, <laughs> with, right. with a lot of a lot of, a lot of newer shit, you know. Right. Fishbone, they toured in tour buses, but you know, they were the tour buses were maybe ten years old, right. twenty years old, but no doubt it's a brand new tour. You know, right. so, so it's right. just I mean, it's, it's the same thing, financially a little bit just better, a little different, you know. So it wouldn't right. be like anything better you know right I've actually already did that you right. know and being a part of fishbone was just like 
that's I made it. Yeah. You know? No, that's awesome, man. And that's I was gonna say if you said no, I was gonna tell you you're out of your mind because <laughs> it sounds to me like you've you've done. Now, is there anything you would still like to accomplish musically? Um, you know, I would like to see my son's band uh, continue to thrive, and because it brings me a lot of joy seeing that. You know, because do, do they have a name or? Oh yeah, they're called Funeral. Funeral. Yeah, but it's okay. spelled F-U-N-E-R-O-L. Okay. Funeral. So okay. It's like, but it's but it's but it's funeral. Got but, it. Um, dude, they are. I mean, it's great seeing that next generation. You know, of, of right. musicians. It's just it's just heartwarming. You know, because they're good. Out with like know. recording and whatnot. Oh yeah, I've did that. Like when they've like they did some stuff. You know, as a different band called The Mirror, and um, you know, it was it was like their first attempt right. at recording manufactured, just like I was telling you. That was totally. I was like. I want to make a badass band. You guys got to be like this. Right. <laughs> you know, so we, but it sounds great, but that's one thing. 10 years from now, they can look back at that and go, damn, that shit sounds good. Yeah, right. Unlike Dr. Bones. Right, well, but I think, you know, time may tell on that too. You might look at it and go, you know, I might've been a little hard on it. There's some really good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of getting uh, toward the end of this, but I'm, I definitely want to hear some of these stories. What would you say, let's start with the worst. Mm -hmm. What is the worst gig you can think of that you did? And it could be with any band, any project, anywhere. Wow. The very worst. It definitely wasn't with Fishbone because with Fishbone, I mean, here's the thing with Fishbone. I mean, even you getting drunk and falling off the stage still turned out to be a cool night. Yeah, it was you fine. Know? <laughs> you know, it was, it was fine. It was, um, you know, because it was a situation. Well, with Fishbone, Angelo... I've only seen him have one bad show ever. He is a thousand percent on all the time. Even when we're backstage and he's not happy or like, you know, just, you know, just walking around or just not looking like something's off. Right. He gets on stage and is like, bing. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah, no, he flips switch. that switch. On, you know, just freaking bam. But and that's a performer, like, man. Dude. I mean. Un Prince. Yes. James Brown and Angela Moore, mm -hmm. dude, they are all badass performers. Now, for me, my worst gig was definitely not in Fishbone. My worst gig, I think, was probably in, I would say, Colorado. We did a show in Colorado. There's a few bad ones, but this one, I don't know why this comes to my mind. We played a show in Colorado, and um, it was a, it was just a complete disaster. Sound was horrible. Shit falling, breaking, you know. And you know, back then you're like so critical of your mm -hmm. of your of your craft. You know, right. it sounds like shit. You know, where's the monitors? How come we? You know, and we're just freaking. It just was a shit show. And then after the fact, the promoter didn't want to pay us. You oh, know, shit. it came to a thing where he's like, like he owed us money. You know, he owed us money. He owed us money from a prior show, and he put this show together. And he showed up to the show, and I was like so freaking pissed off that the show sucked so bad right. that the the people I think had a pretty good time yeah. you know but we're the ones on stage right they we, don't hear what we hear they, exactly they hear something completely mm -hmm. different we hear what we yeah they don't hear what we hear so I see this guy I'm all you asshole so I snatch the glasses off his face and I break his glasses oh shit everybody's like what and so I caused this 
big ass scene. <laughs> Cops come, you know. Oh, damn. Freaking, I end up getting a ticket for, uh, what is it called? Like assault, you know. Oh, jeez. I had to go to Colorado. I didn't have to go to Colorado at my attorney because we had management at the time. He right. happened to be an attorney. He ended up going to Colorado and handling all that shit. But that's the worst that can go wrong is when, I mean, there's a lot of things that go worse than that. Like those, like those guys in Great White that, when that right. shit caught on fire. You yeah, know? You, that's the worst. You kill that's, people. That's but... the worst gig. You <laughs> yeah. Know? But in terms of fun and vibe and just that was horrible, you know, because typically shows are supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy yourself. You don't want to freaking get in a fight with somebody that, that, that owes you money right. after a shitty performance and then go to jail you know yeah that's like that's like that's like that's horrible yeah you know i i actually have um recordings of you guys and i don't know if it was just audio if it was a video i don't know even if i took it it might have been something jeff had mm -hmm. of you guys messing with the sound guy because the sound was bad and like ripping on the sound guy because the sound was bad dude one time we did a show and this was a great show but we did a show i think it was up in it was like a, it wasn't john Anson ford it was uh one of those kind of places up in right. up in Reseda, you know show was we were bickering at the sound man and again, you know, here we are, probably like 22, you right. know, just invincible, you know. I used to work out a lot, so I was like, ah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the sound man comes up to me. I'm yelling at him. He's yelling at me. I end up just freaking popping this dude in the jaw. He oh, freaking shit. falls off the stage. And it was it was like a punk rock show. Right. So everybody was like, ah, ha, 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 you yep. know, laughing at the guy. <laughs> but come on, who does that? Who Right. Freaking pops the sound man. For all I know, that sound man—that's some rock star shit, right? Well, there. he's gonna still be in the industry. He might be the next Kevin Lyman, you know, exactly. and be like, "You're an asshole. You're never playing Warp Tour or whatever," exactly. you know. <laughs> but exactly. he was just some no name. But like, who does? I mean, that was just—that's what you do when you're punk, 21, 22, right. you know. Right. So we got your worst. Could you pick a best show? And again, doesn't have yeah. to be Fishbone. The absolute best show ever was when I. This is when I, this is a show I took my wife to because this is the perfect story. It was, um, I had met her like a weekend before or so, and um, we were playing two nights at the Whiskey A Go Go. And um, I was like, hey, you want to come to one of our shows? And she had just met me. Right. So she's thinking, oh shit, some shitty bar band, you know? Right. We're going to go to freaking you know, Moose McGillicuddy's or, or somewhere, you know, freaking some, some sports bar, watch this guy play. Yes. So I'm like, no, come on, we're playing the whiskey. You know, she doesn't know what the whiskey is. She's not a music person. Right, so. right. Mine isn't either. Oh, man. I could tell my wife, hey, you hear the bass line in that song? She's like, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. But that's the person who you want who could tell you if the song's good or not. Yeah. You know, she's a great gauge. Because they this. can't tell you why it's not good, but no. they can tell you that it, something's not right. Or they just don't like it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they just hear the song. Oh, it's a good song. You know, and you're like, yeah. okay. But that gig, I took her to this gig, and she had a bunch of friends meet her there. Because I had just met her, and we had, you know, right. she was kind of scared. She didn't really right. know me, you know. So She's smart. She's smart, exactly, you know. <laughs> so, so she has her friends meet her there. Um, and uh, it's the Whiskey Go-Go. It's sold out. Of she course. doesn't know that, you know. And then... Um, you know, they all come in. I'm say hi, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go play. You know, I'll, you know, I'll see you guys after the show. Right. So they go upstairs, they sit down, and then you know, first band, second band, I'm backstage getting ready. We come out, dude. It's freaking the best show ever. I mean, it's freaking 
sold out. You can't get right. any more right. more awesome. You know, we freaking ripped it. We destroyed. It. I think we just got off tour. Maybe like you know a few weeks or like a week prior, you right. know, or something right right before I met her. Like that shit's we road were like, tested. Oh yeah, we were like primed. We were on it, and we freaking dude. It was it was like a fishbone show. You know, yeah. it was the shit. Everybody lost their shit. You know, and then after the show. I go up to where they are because they're sitting down on top. I'm right. like, all sweaty. Because you know, I'm like, oh, I wonder how they're doing. So I go up there. I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? You guys, it was cool. And my wife looks at me. Well, all of her friends are looking at me with their freaking eyes right. the size of freaking silver dollars, <laughs> you know. And she says, oh, my God, I didn't think you were that good. Right. <laughs> you know. And ever since then, dude, it was, was like it. two kids later. That's funny. <laughs> so I am getting toward the end of this. Um is there anybody that you would think of as like a mentor? Um, wow, you mean living dead? Let's yeah. see. I mean, someone like Rick Bonin, the other keyboard player, yeah. somebody who I really look up to because he's got, he's just super talented. Oh, supremely you know? talented. Great piano player, keyboard player, producer, singer, songwriter, just the perfect, humble, awesome dude, you know? He's yeah. the kind of guy that if I could be somebody else, it'd be him. Right, right. <laughs> I, dude, I was always impressed that you were in the band, Jonas was in the band, and Rick was in the band. I know, we had two keyboard like, players. <laughs> it was it was so awesome and so talented in, in just the three of you guys, mm -hmm. and that always impressed me. Uh, and I was really sad when Rick stopped playing with you guys um, because it was such a solid trio of guys up front. Yep. Um, everybody had super cool things to contribute to the sound and not in any way diminishing what came next in the phase of, you know, the band. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause it was always good, you know, and, and we were talking about this, uh, before we started recording this, that it evolves and it becomes something new. Right. Um, when you get new players, how many people have you had in, in Skeletons? Man, there's gotta be over 30. It's, it's, I been would a, say like 40 ish. I mean, cause now, to be fair, you had a lot of horn, a lot players. of horn players, right? That's the most, yeah, that's the revolving door turn, is turn the horn players. There. Yeah. Horn players. And I mean, aside from the horn players, we've had, um, one, two, three, five drummers. Um, yeah. You know, we, the first one, Danny Dumont, all the way up to actually, let me see. It was like, uh, yeah, five drummers. And then we've had, um, two bass players. Actually, three bass players, um, <laughs> three lead singers. I think yeah. all threes, threes of everything. Guitar players, you know, we've had a handful of guitar players. We had one guitar player before Alex uh, when we were doing like 924 Gilman and all those right. Berkeley shows. This one Asian kid. I have a recording of that oh, Gilman do you? show. Oh, <laughs> so do I. I do. It's a great recording. I remember Jonas saying, What's up, 924 Gilman? <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. You could, yeah, we recorded, if that's the same recording, there's, because that was like his first show, I think, or one oh, of it was his great. very first shows, and he didn't know all the words. Right, and right, I right. Think, I think he one said, of his lines was like, Don't chachi chewing. Yeah. <laughs> so you do have that. I do have it. He's singing, and, he's, and the words that come out of his mouth that we heard after the set, we were listening to it, and he's like, You know, you know just what we're doing. We're just up here, chi chi cha cha chewing. <laughs> you know, but, that cracked me up every time I heard it. And we re we re 
rewinded down the tape, played, <laughs> rewind, played, just dying because, you know, when you're at... But he filled the space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? They had nobody care, I mean, heard what he said. And at that, in the club, they didn't hear it. Especially Nigel Ford Gilman. They don't, Gilman, they don't yeah, know what you were saying. punk rocks running that's, around. That's Hootie and the Blowfish. Right. Like, when when in doubt, just mumble. <laughs> just mumble that I mean, shit. I, I've been doing that this week as I do streaming online. <laughs> if I can't remember the lines, I just kind of mumble a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do as a vocalist if you forget. Um well, man, yeah, man. I, I really appreciate you having me out. Um, I, I could sit here and talk to you all night. I didn't fun, even get dude. to like half the stuff I wanted to talk about. So we'll have to do this again. I know. Uh, I, I, in a I later season. on, man. I talk too much. No, I but it's going. all, they're all <laughs> such good stories. Um, and I think even though you, you have toured the world and played with one of the coolest bands ever to make music, I still think there's a reality to, to what you did that the average person has no idea about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what this whole, his whole podcast is, is trying to do is show the reality of what it's like to tour. And I, we barely scratched the surface with you. I, dude, I we definitely got to do man. this again. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's those broken down buses, all kinds of. Yeah, stories. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I can remember a story where um, your whole band's equipment was Ripped stolen, off. Yeah. stolen at gunpoint. At gunpoint, you know. Yep. Um, but we'll have to save that story for uh, another, <laughs> another episode. Time. Um, on that note, I do think we need to wrap this up. This has been another episode of Fix It in the Mix. Thanks again to Paul Hampton for letting me come in to invade his world here. And anytime. Uh, and as always, if you enjoyed the episode, follow us on Facebook uh, and definitely go um, and tell a friend. Absolutely. Love it. Fix It in the Mix is recorded at Inland Blue Studios. Remember to subscribe to Fix It in the Mix on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by SpinWiz Comics. Please go and visit SpinWizComics.com. This episode of the Nerd Life Crisis brought to you by IB Comics. IB Comics, the home of great creator-driven stories for people of all ages, including Legba's Juke Joint. The first book of a nine-book series is available now and tells the story of American music from the blues to the present. The series examines the values of American society and for what we as people are willing to trade our soul. The book has been called Smart and Clever by Mark Wade of The Flash and Superman and Raw, Honest, and Profoundly Human by Stephen Frank, the creator of Silver and the animator on The Iron Giant. The book is available now at www.ibcomics.com. IB Comics, the home of great stories.